1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric May, walking Bucks reporter at The Athletic, Wisconsin, and joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. And Frank, we uh, we, we took a week off. Uh, I was gallivanting around the country. Uh, I was in Pittsburgh. I was in Cleveland. I was in Kansas City. Um, I was I was all over the place and uh because of that we were unable to connect so i apologize to everyone for that but uh had a busy week so we weren't able to record anything but that's okay i think we're we're back and better than ever i'll be uh, vacationing again next week but my vacation will take me to australia which will take me to my good friend kane Pittman. which means i think we can probably uh find a way to record. Uh, together, so it'll be Kane and I likely instead of Frank, and we'll uh, we'll get through that together. So, uh, apologize. I, I'd like to apologize for our uh, for our absence, but uh, hopefully we are back, and we are we're going to attempt to finish this July mailbag off. Uh, by the time we do so, it'll be uh, August sixteenth, but that's okay. We uh, we just persevered. Deep mailbag, you guys really. Really got after it, but uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll finish it up, and, and that'll be fine. Frank, how have you been for the last week?
0: I've been good. Uh, I did a family trip to uh, Cape Cod uh, or Cape Cod adjacent areas in Massachusetts. So my college buddies, uh, we played some pickup basketball uh, one of those days. Whoa. Um, I was the victim of a uh, hard foul from one of my best friends. Oh, no. Uh, yeah kind of kind of there were no real injuries thankfully uh despite the fact that we're old and washed and uh, don't really play basketball very often um but <laughs> i did get fouled extremely hard and uh, i've never had like a rib injury before um but like i can mm, only I, like i i was in like the right corner i caught the ball pump faked kind of got a blow by on my defender and then my my other friend kind of i i was kind of coming on the baseline and i was gonna have to like shoot like kind of an awkward floater along the baseline so I sort of like mm-hmm. took like an extra dribble and then kind of like tried to kind of move back towards the middle of the lane to kind of create an angle to to bank it which maybe yeah. it wasn't worth trying in the first place but uh, but anyway so then I'm my momentums kind of bringing me towards the middle and my friend was coming as the help defender from the middle and he basically just like jumped I think he probably thought I was gonna like shoot a floater and then I basically like moved towards the middle of the lane and he was like leaping through the air and just like crashed into me and like kind of just like nailed me like in my like left side, like kind of like rib slash side area. Ugh. And it just like <laughs> knocked me down. And I was just like, Oh, and uh, like basically picking up my, my daughter kind of just like sort of hurt for the rest of the weekend. Oh, um no. But then it got really bad. I, I the real adventure of the week was uh, um, flying with you know an eighteen month old on three and a half four hour one way trips uh, both ways from Austin Oof. to to Boston, and thank God I was flying Southwest because we we did the, you know if your kids are under two they can they can fly for free as as a lap child or a lap infant or whatever. Yep. And so we did that. Uh, we did that previously last year too. And because she couldn't walk at the time, was fine. But now she's eighteen months. She wants to run around. Um, I mean, it would have been a disaster if somebody was sitting next to us. But thankfully, um, both ways people shunned us. You know, the, the open seating thing on, <laughs> yeah. on Southwest. And I'm, I'm an A-list person, so I can I get to board a little earlier. So, uh, so long story short, we survived our plane flights. But then. Um, Normally, like they let my 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 wife had like a later boarding pass. Normally, they'll just let us board together, right? Um, yeah. If I have like an a, a A group pass, and on the way back, the guy was like, "Oh, you you have to go in family boarding, which is like after A's but before B's." And I was like, "Well, can I get on? I'm I'm an A. I was like A twenty. Can I go on with my daughter?" And he was like, "Okay." And normally Southwest is like really cool about this stuff, but wherever This guy was like being a stickler. So I leave my wife behind. I take a stroller, a diaper bag, my like carry-on bag, and my daughter. Oh wow! And I dad just had, like, bringing it. Yeah, and then my wife's coffee was in the stroller too. I was like, oh my god, I'm to carry on this stupid coffee. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, checking the. the st- I have to collapse the stroller at the bottom of the jetway, yep. and it just turned into this big thing. I got all this crap you know, I had a person like help pick up the coffee for me cause I was trying to hold my daughter also anyway. And so like it, during all this stressing and moving, I ended up like kind of aggravating, like, I don't, I don't, I have no idea if it's like a muscle injury or what it is, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, it was very, it was a very stressful dad moment. Um, and, uh, basically if I sleep on one side, it like really hurts. So I have to sleep on, on the other side. So that is my like, you know, washed up, shouldn't be playing sports anymore story of the week which didn't did in no way ruin my my trip or anything like that um i actually had a lot of fun playing basketball um i mean i kept playing after that i mean it was you know whatever you kind of just play through stuff and um you know it was it was fun it was good um that was a part of my weekend
1: as well like i was at a, a bachelor party in kansas city over the weekend and it was with all of my like college friends so we uh you know when went out and about in, in the town on Friday night and then Saturday woke up and and played pickup for two hours. So that was, that was necessary and good. So we both uh, got to play a little pickup uh, in the last week. So that's good. Um, all right, let's hop back into the mailbag and we're going to hop back into the mailbag with someone um, who, uh, you know, I'm, you're just going to be delighted to hear this uh, Muppet babies 31 at the Spang over uh, on Twitter asks a a couple he has four questions and i'm gonna move one to a a second question that we got from a couple other people um so these are just gonna be more general um best non-bucks free agent move this year and so one thing that i always kind of complain about this time of year is no one really writes up a good like a ranking of like free agent moves and how they go like every outlet has a free agency tracker where it's just like alphabetical order um, dates that these things happen, but rarely is it like actually kind of organized well. So, I mean, for me, it's just like best non bucks free agency move. Like it's the Clippers, right? Like you went from a team that everyone was like, "Eh, all right, fine, whatever. You're kind of cute to NBA title favorites. And, and again, obviously, to go along with the free agency move there was also a trade uh but you know to secure Kawhi leonard coming through you make the trade and you get Kawhi leonard and now all of a sudden you're the you're the nba title favorite so for me i mean i think that's easy like i don't uh, you can you can definitely overthink it and you can try to think like oh great value deal for this player or that player but for me it just feels like yeah I mean, you got Kawhi, you got to be nba title contenders that that's the best one
0: i think the interesting thing is you can you can make the case the other kind of big winners from just a value perspective this summer was the the team on the other end of of at least part of that those moves which was the oklahoma city thunder right and um You know, again, I think Sam Presti and company, you know, made a big stink about how it's unfair for small markets and blah blah blah, and they didn't want to trade Paul George, they didn't want to do this and that, and obviously ultimately have to move him out to Russell Westbrook. But you know, when you look at where that team was, having lost in the first round two straight years, um, I I mean, it's interesting to think about what they might have looked like this this coming season if you keep that roster together, and you know, again, with more parity in the West, you know, it's not like it's not like they were, you know, eight seeds the last two years. I mean, they were teams that, I mean, you can make case should have won in the last two, two first rounds and, and gone to the second round done much better than they did. But, um, for them to come away from this summer with, you know, cashing out on, on Paul George, who had, uh, I guess a couple years left on his deal before he could have opted out. And, and obviously Russell Westbrook with, um, you know, 40 plus million per year owed to him over the next, I guess, four years. Um, <laughs> to come away from that with just a slew of first round picks and pick swaps I mean, what is it like 7 or 8 <laughs> picks or something like that first round picks um it's a it's a massive haul i mean it's it's kind of interesting because it's also though so it's dispersed over such an extended period that um it'll be interesting kind of to figure out to see kind of what it means right because Uh, on the one hand, I think that, you know, they got the, the heat protected or the unprotected pick, uh, first round pick that's I think in 2021. And then they obviously just have like a ton of like rockets and thunder picks at this point, or sorry, rockets and Clippers picks. And so, um, you know, it's interesting because on the one hand, well, rockets and Clippers, they want to be very good for a long time, but those, those picks go out so far that, um, you know. The, the irony of, of the big Clippers' big move is they only got both of those guys, Paul George and Kawhi, for two plus ones, I believe. So, you know, there is a world where the Clippers, you know, kind of the, the bad version of the world comes, comes, to, comes into play for them. Uh, they could be in a really bad place in, in two years, in which case, you know, maybe those picks, there's a world where those picks actually turn out to be pretty good for um, – for for Oklahoma City and and so I don't know it's an interesting thing because I mean it's it's sort of uh, puts um, you know it, it kind of we haven't seen a lot of situations obviously where a team just like didn't have really assets for an extended period you know like the the step in rule and the kind of different things are in place to sort of limit the ability of teams to just give away all their future assets uh, in deals like this but um, you know the Brooklyn Nets who are another big winner probably in terms of just adding talent this summer probably doesn't necessarily translate to contention for a title obviously this coming year with Durant like likely out for the season but um you know interesting how quickly teams can rebound even from kind of these really downside scenarios with um with Brooklyn you know bouncing back in a major way and obviously um the Clippers hope to (laughs) not not be in one of those situations the Rockets hopes that obviously they're good for for a number of years with the guys they've got but um I think Oklahoma City definitely like you know whether it truly was them uh, not wanting to do this, but having to salvage it or whatever it might be, or whether they were just, you know, behind closed doors, happy for an excuse to sort of rebuild. Um, I think <laughs> they are one of the more intriguing franchises moving forward. And um, certainly I think, you know, again, um, it may be quite a while before they are actually contending for anything meaningful, but at least in terms of, you know, restocking your, your shelves with, you um, you know, with with pieces that you can potentially move. And to me, that's probably the, just as interesting as, as being able to use the picks is just having this full coffer of assets that you can now take and potentially use in trades, right? If there's, you know, the next uh, disgruntled young player who's, you know, has some salary control things like that, you know, can you start to throw around those picks? Can you package picks to move up higher in drafts, things like that? I mean, that's probably the, you know, the the bigger upside opportunities they're going to have rather than just sitting around and saying, okay, we're just going to use, you know, all of these picks over the next, you know, six, seven years or whatever it might be. So, um, so yeah, I think it just goes to show different teams in different positions, um, you know, value, you know, what comes out of an off season differently. I think Oklahoma City can feel just fine about sort of how things have worked out. But obviously I agree. I mean, if you want to just talk about what team kind of put themselves in the best position to do the thing that everybody wants to do, obviously you'd probably start with the Clippers, given that they've gone from a nice story last year to a team that obviously um, expects to contend for a championship for at least the next the next couple of years. Um, <clears throat> the only thing I'd add, in terms of like value signings, we were talking about this before, before the pod, um, you know, about like, are, are there, you know, Obvious kind of value guys that um, you know you'd kind of call out for um, for for you know who who are the best signings of the summer you know again the the Brooke Lopez signing of the summer we probably won't know until. A guy is surprisingly way better in his current situation than he was last year. Um, but interesting, five thirty-eight. You know they have this Carmelo metric, which again, you know, whatever. I'm I'm not necessarily in love with it, but it, it enables you to you know look at sort of these like value over replacement type type metrics and translate that also into market value because obviously you know you can look at what teams pay in salary and and what that means in terms of the cost of a win. Um, and they did an analysis of kind of the best bargains and, and uh, most overpaid guys of, of free agency in 2019. And um, there are only three guys that are in the top 10 that are uh, actually getting paid less than $10 million a year this coming summer. So I, most of the guys, you know, there's, there's probably, let's say it looks like half the guys in the top 10 are essentially max players who are just so good that the max still drastically underpays them. And that's Kemba. Who's number one, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Kawhi Leonard. And then the rest are obviously lower-paid guys. And the the three guys who are under $10 million, interesting, Kevon Looney, Milwaukee native, um, only making $4.6 million this year with the Warriors, um, but they have him as a plus $24 million net value guy. Now, I would say I like Kevon Looney a lot. Um, is he really worth 20, $29 million in terms of uh, the value that the Carmelo rating system gives him? Uh, that might be a bit cha- charitable. Seems, unlikely, yeah. <laughs> seems seems unlikely, but either way, under five million bucks for a player who does what he does, I'd say that's certainly good value. Um, Boogie Cousins, the next really the only other really cheap guy who, who makes this list, he's projected twenty seven million in Carmelo market value with an actual figure of three point five million, and that makes more sense to me, right? Like obviously, Boogie we know can play at a really high level. Now, whether he actually gets back there, you know, whether his um, body sort of has. Uh, maybe is on the downside now in terms of what he can do, especially defensively and what that means in the playoffs. I think that's certainly a valid question, but obviously the talent level is is there. And so he certainly could be a guy that that really outproduces his contract. And, and again, when you look at like what the Lakers, where the Lakers were and, you know, the fact that like obviously they, they needed to add some additional kind of real talent around LeBron and, and AD, um, certainly a, a guy that, I mean, I can't argue with that signing for them. I mean, you know, he has good relationship with Anthony Davis. They've played together. Sure, why not? Right? Can't, can't possibly be a worse idea than what they did last summer when they signed all
1: the brand <laughs> dudes.
0: Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, that's and the only other guy um, who I a signing I liked when it happened. Um, Delon Wright making a little over nine million. He's has a value projected around twenty five million. Um, again, I don't think Delon Wright is ever going to be a star or give you superstar value or something like that. But um, I think he's definitely an interesting interesting piece. Maybe not an ideal kind of caretaker point guard when you've got Luca in Dallas, um, just because obviously you probably want a better shooter, uh, at the point, you know, in that kind of role, but, um, he, Lon right just does a lot of stuff. And, you know, we've known that since he was coming out of the draft, the guy just does a lot of stuff <laughs> and yep. it's stuff that tends to, to be things that, that help you on a basketball court. So that, I thought that was interesting, but anyway, that's, that's just some, uh, some, some names to kind of pick out. And again, I, um, you know, we'll see, uh, I, I don't, I don't expect that we'll necessarily say that you know, Cal Corver or Wes Matthews end up being one of the the super outproducing value bargains of the summer. Um, I think both those guys, especially given the way they play, I don't think are going to show up in necessarily the kind of metrics that, that we're talking about here. But um, but again, uh, we'll we'll kind of see if there's another Book Lopez out there. But uh, again, um, you know, typically you don't get you don't get Brooke, Brooke Lopez for, you know, three years, 10 million. Generally it's, it's those kind of one-off type contracts. And obviously the bucks getting Brooke for what they did. I think uh, he still has a chance to, to outperform that contract year after year. When you think about the value he gives us. So uh, anyway, are there any other thoughts on that one?
1: You mentioned Looney. I'm also interested by Willie Colley Stein at two for 4.4 um, with the Warriors. Like, I don't, I don't know that I love Willie Colley Stein, but I've always been very intrigued by him. And As a rim runner, uh, nothing on on earth will help you more than playing with Steph and Clay. Like they just have so much gravity that if they can just throw it towards the rim, Willie Willie Collins' might have a really interesting year. But I mean, I think that speaks more to how much the—I mean, just how good those other guys are and how well the Warriors are put together, as opposed to um, something incredibly special. Uh, from Willie Colley Stein. All right. Uh, most overrated team next year. I'm curious where you go. Um, for me, and I, I'm trying to figure out how to parse this out, um, but I think the Sixers are very clearly the second best team in the East, but I don't buy them as a team that can beat the Bucks and as a team that can like beat the teams in the West. Like, I just – I. And I, I know how everything goes together and how well they may fit together. Um, but I just don't I, – like I don't see it. Like I understand that Horford helps and you're not going to have those like huge stretches where uh, they're just a negative with Embiid off the floor. You can stagger them a certain way that, you know, you always have Horford out there. But like I just don't – I don't know how they work in crunch time. And and that to me is is a bit of a concern. So um, – I don't know if that necessarily makes them most overrated, but I think it. when you're talking about overrating the possibility of contention, I think that's more meaningful than overrating some team that, you know, could is scheduled to make 40, is to like projected win 44, and you only think can win 30, if that makes any sense. Like I think the upper level is where overrated, underrated means a little bit more to me. So I'm going to go with the Sixers, and again, I, I think, they're going to be a very good team. I just don't know if I totally get um, how they close games out and, and how all of all of those pieces fit together.
0: I actually could definitely see a world where the the Sixers are better than the Bucks. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's just year to year just like stuff happens, you know, like guys just important players or just get better or get worse. And it's just kind of like, you know, it's, it's a default, obviously, year to year. You don't like project a guy is going to like fluff a cliff you Know, turn into like some like massively improved player, um, necessarily. <laughs> um, I think for Philly, probably for me, I mean, Embiid's health is always kind of the biggest thing you kind of ask about, but that I mean, I don't think that's really upside so much, right? Like, it's not like he's gonna, I mean, I, I'm assuming he's gonna be healthy most of the year, um, and I think that's what the over under is, is predicated on, but, um, like could Ben Simmons make a big leap and be just a much better player next year? I could definitely see that. Um, And if that happens, and then I think, I think they could definitely surpass the bucks. Right. Especially if, um, you know, if, if like Bledsoe is not quite as good as he was last year and, you know, Middleton is the same or a little bit worse or, you know, Brooke gets hurt. You know, I, I think there's just a lot of the bucks, I think got very like high end, Productivity from a lot of guys who aren't necessarily like gold plated star type guys. And that doesn't mean that they're not like, it doesn't mean that there's anything fundamentally flawed about why, you know, Bledsoe or Lopez um, or Middleton should like get worse this year, you know, but they're the players who are, you know, on the age wise, like the downward trend of their careers and, um, you know, health wise, you just never know what might happen. So I think there's definitely kind of, you know, um, narrative arcs that you could paint for me that that might lead these teams to go one way or the other. Um,
1: <laughs> I now have figured out why I am not bullish on the Sixers and it is how Brett I Brown think of no it's it's what I think of Ben Simmons okay like, as you were talking about like oh yeah you could take a big leap I'm like could he like yeah
0: you're you're in the big having yeah. baby Uh, Ben (laughs) Simmons, and that
1: I I don't know if you want to necessarily phrase it in that way, but I I do have serious questions, especially with how that team is built around.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, they obviously—I don't know—we'll see. I mean, you—you obviously lost Redick. I mean, it's an interesting team with you know effectively replacing um, Redick, Redick, and uh, and Jimmy with. Uh, Josh Richardson and Al Horford, at least in terms of like the top end talent, obviously yep. positionally that the, you know, Horford doesn't replace Jimmy or something like that. But, um, but it is a different, it seemed to sort of like fits differently than it did a year ago. And, um, in terms of shooting, they obviously, you know, was an issue last year as far as like, just having not having like tons of guys to space the floor. And, and that unfortunately, you know, that doesn't, doesn't really change. Um, so i i don't know they're they're a team obviously that that i will be watching i think they fascinating. yeah yeah um i agree as far as you know it's interesting i'm kind of comparing uh um jacob goldstein who I, I sometimes retweet his stuff on twitter um you know he uh he does these um pipm is the stat he uses uh player impact plus minus and he does um you know win projections using that and um, you know, he's got. It, it's generally very bullish on the Bucks. It's got, put them around 58 wins. Philly is second with 51 wins. Clippers also 51 wins. Rockets 53 wins. Actually, um, it. Uh, I'm trying to just see. I was just sort of eyeballing that versus the Vegas over unders and trying to see if anything was like wildly out of whack. I mean, Philly is is let's say plus four relative to that. Although I always am a little hesitant to um to compare like a model versus an over under just because the models. It kind of depends how the models are, but I I don't know. I usually look at models more as um like relative rankings. Like I just want to see like you know just do some teams look much better or worse in some models versus others? Because um, again, I, I know Kevin Pelton would would always kind of disclaim with with his RPM based models that he has like a mean reversion factor that kind of maybe smushes the distribution a little bit um and makes you know so you don't have necessarily huge outlier teams at the top or bottom um versus what what just tends to happen actually during a season like just one or two teams have like you know everything goes right and they, they kind of do really well versus you know sometimes the opposite obviously at the bottom uh, and tanking and things like that so um kind of looking at it um you know i was thinking about this the other day um so indiana he has indiana at, at a little under 44 wins they're at um, 47 and a half um, over under. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting with the Pacers, like from the Bucks' perspective, obviously, like our focus has been on, well, they added Malcolm Brogdon. Um, but I mean, that team really went through a lot of change this summer. Um, you know, you look at what the team was last year and, uh, you know, I mean, your five guys that you would have penciled in the start of the year would have been, you know, I guess Darren Collison, who's now retired to be a Jehovah's Witness, uh, Victor yeah. Oladipo, who is coming back from a major injury. I'm not sure exactly what his timetable is for returning. It sounds like it won't necessarily be at the start of the season, from what I understand. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich, who is gone, was, you know, Oladipo aside, their their best player last year, probably, um, you know, had a really great year in terms of scoring efficiency. He is now in Utah, and Thad Young, who left for Chicago, and, and Miles Turner. So, I mean, eighty percent of your starting five isn't going to be there on opening night. You get Oladipo as the most important guy back eventually, um, but you know, again, like sixty percent of your starters are gone, and Collison may not have been that special. But I mean, Bogdanovich and, and Young, I thought were really good players for them. And, um, you know, you kind of look at it as well. I mean, is Corey Joseph really good as a, as a backup? I don't know if he's really good, but, you know, he's he's useful enough, right? I mean, Aaron Holiday, I think they're hoping he's he's going to be a good player. Um, but, you know, you look at kind of what, what kind of went in and out. I mean, I like Jerry Lam- Jeremy Lamb. Um, he was on the top 10 kind of value signing list I mentioned for 538. So that's a probably a good value signing for them. Obviously, Brogdon, we know what he can do. Maybe not a good value signing at, at 20 million a year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I think they, well, there's one other move that who, who else did they, uh, TJ Warren. I think there was one TJ Warren. Yeah, that's right. They acquired TJ Warren. Um, and also last year too. I mean, Tyreek Evans had a disappointing year for them. Um, but he was their sixth man and he obviously is, I mean, who knows if he'll ever come back to the NBA after, uh, getting suspended for, um, was it announced? Was it cocaine? Was that ever confirmed? I don't think it was confirmed. Drug he used? Okay. But anyway, he used a drug of abuse that um, that got him suspended for two years. So tons and tons of turnover on that roster. They used their first-round pick on another center. <laughs> and it seems like you know the new direction is to go with Sabonis and, and Turner together in kind of a jumbo starting lineup. Um, and, and, again, does that mean, okay, TJ Warren then starts – and uh, you know, again, Brogdon will start obviously, and eventually next to Oladipo. So and I don't, and I don't they know. They went I mean, all didn't... in on Sabonis, Turner on the floor
1: together at the same time. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I, And again, like maybe the league isn't as small as it once was, but like I don't know how I feel about that. Like I don't, I don't know if I want that for 25, 30 minutes a night.
0: Yeah, I mean, so long story short, I mean, they won forty eight games last year. Um, you know, they were a good team. Uh, a lot of that was obviously with, with Oladipo Hurt. So, you know, obviously I think there's going to be optimism just at the idea, well, we're, we're going to get Oladipo back. Um, but I, I, and, and I tend to always be like, I, I've been like, a, I've been like a, a name skeptic for a long time, and, and I think he's certainly proven my skepticism wrong to a large extent um, because, uh, you know, just of how well they've played the last two years. But I don't know if there's anything like about what they do that is like, you know, there's, I don't think there's really any secret sauce there. Like, I don't think their shot distributions particularly, um, you know, particularly, uh, anything to, to, to marvel at. I mean, they, they are among the worst, the, the worst teams in the league in terms of three pointers attempted and made. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just kind of don't know exactly kind of what necessarily makes them special other than the fact that they have had a good defense. Um, that's obviously really important. Um, but, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, I think there's like, I've, I've just heard people talk about, like, oh, this, like, oh, Indiana had a big summer. Indiana, this, that's so, like, well, they, they lost a lot of their best players and they replaced, they replaced them with some good players. But I don't know where that kind of leaves them. And, um, I don't know. I'm just seeing something here that depot's probably out till December or January. So, um, you know, he played 36 games last year. So, uh, hopefully they'll get him for a little more than that this year. But, you know, I mean, coming back, Midseason from a major injury to a leg for a guy who is obviously a, a guy relying on his athleticism. Um, you know, we could have kind of a year next year for Victor. That's a bit of a lost year, right? Where he's really just trying to get get his legs back, get his athleticism, get his feel back. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not saying they're going to be bad, um, but is you know does Indiana? Uh, I don't know. I just have that feeling like maybe they're more likely to be a you know, low, low seed in the playoffs versus a team that's like challenging for, you know, home court, which obviously is what kind of happened last year.
1: All right. The last question, more general again, the Muffet Boobies has a dark horse team next year. I think, you know, looking at over rounders, you know, I'm trying to find some value in there. Um, the Heat are at about 43 and a half. I'm curious with Jimmy Butler and, you know, the possibility of maybe Chris Paul there at some point, maybe they're a little bit better. And if you can get that value before Chris Paul gets traded there. And again, I don't know that Chris Paul gets traded there, but there's at least the possibility there might be some value there. Um, the other thing I'd kind of be thinking about, and it makes me sick to my stomach to say it, Um <laughs> The Celtics had like 48 and a half. Uh, I think Brad Stevens is better when he's coaching tryhards, and like he's going to uh, – like there's a bunch of dudes on that roster that I think felt underappreciated, uh, like in Jalen Brown and, and Jason uh, Tatum that I, I think might want to have a bounce-back year, like show that they, they do have some value um and and are better than they were last year and i could just see that team like winning 50 plus games because uh i think stevens gets them to to try on defense and they just kind of have some stuff come together also kemba walker's like good (laughs) he's he's a good basketball player um and you know i think he can give a lot of the scoring uh the playmaking that you get with Kyrie without all of the uh flat earthy type stuff and like whatever else Kyrie is into um like I think you can get some of the positives without all of the the negatives there so um heat and Celtics are two that I'm thinking about
0: um man I'm just looking at the Celtics depth chart is Ennis Cantor part of a tryhard defense that's my my first question Yeah, no, that um, one's gonna be rough. There's no it's doubt funny because I look at their the depth chart, and you know this is on ESPN, so I mean ESPN depth charts can be just flaming piles of trash. But um, you know, in, in theory, I think what the, the this this list kind of like at least I can understand this. It's possible this could be your starting five: Kemba, Jalen, Hayward, Tatum, Cantor. Basically, Kemba. The three kind of wingish guys they have with Brown, Hayward, and Tatum, and then Cantor. Um, man, I, I don't know. I mean,
1: do, I got to rethink it. Cantor, uh, Cantor is such a disaster. Yeah. <sighs> uh,
0: that just that, to me, that just seems like. I mean, you know, last year they really needed Marcus Smart to. I mean, kind of Smart in the starting five gave them a nice shot in the arm, um, and and he had a really you know much improved season shooting the ball. I just, I don't know. Like, I just look at like, kind of that group and I just feel like, you know, they, like, it's kind of those things. Like, I don't know if they can, I don't know if they can not start Tatum Brown and and Hayward, right? I mean, you're paying Gordon Hayward $30 million a year. You're going to, is he going to come off the bench again to start the year? Um, man, that would be, uh, that's tough. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like at least for confidence purposes, they would want to at least try to start him. Can I start then,
1: Tice instead? Like, can I can I start Tice and actually have a good yeah. defensive unit, and then maybe yeah, Cantor up the bench? Like, oh. Yeah, you could. You but could. yeah, I mean, Cantor is yeah, that's bad.
0: Yeah. Um. So I don't know. That's just a weird roster. I mean, they're this lists Carson Edwards as the second string point guard. I mean, really smart, I guess, would be the backup point guard. But you know, your other guards are. Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Brad Wanamaker, Javante Green, and <laughs> well, I'll just stop there. Um, you basically, unless I'm just this is like just wildly out of date. You basically have Marcus Smart is your only guard off the bench who is like ever played a minute in the NBA. Okay, yep. Brad Wanamaker, fine, but I don't I don't even know what Wanamaker. I couldn't pick Brad Wanamaker out of a lineup. Uh, I know he was a good Euroleague player, but didn't do much of anything last year. And then at small forward, you know, here, here are your other, here's the rest of your bench. Romeo Langford, Shemi Ojolay, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, of Heights.
1: You know, uh, <laughs> I think you, I think you've talked me out of the Celtics, Frank. <laughs> Thank you. I think you've talked me out. I
0: don't know. Well, that's the thing though. I mean, like, I just feel, this feels like Brad, Brad Stevens is just like, there's just like a, you know, 49 wins just has like a gravitational effect on him regardless of whether his team is, is meh or, or good. Um, I think other than that, um, I'm just trying to compare. I mean, you know, it's interesting because you look at, like, the Pelicans, actually. Like, Jacob's model really likes uh, the Pelicans. He's got the Pelicans at 44.5 wins. Uh, they're at 39. I think a lot of times you look at sort of these, like, young teams that may be a year away from um, making a leap. And a lot of times kind of people jump, jump and get too enthusiastic about them or things like that. Um, but you know, New Orleans, especially with those veterans, they added, they're actually projecting pretty well. Um, Dallas, he's got at 41 wins and that's right around where their over under is. So, um, you know, again, if, especially if Porzingis and, and obviously Lucas stay healthy, you can certainly see them becoming uh, a respectable team. Um, and you know, the Hawks, Hawks probably are also one of those teams that is like a year away from being as good as kind of people hope they, they might be. Um, but Jacobs had him at 31 and the over-under is 33 and a half. So people aren't necessarily jumping jumping way ahead. Now, one team that's really interesting, a team that by Jacob's ratings would be a sleeper. And it's kind of interesting because I think they had a quietly really solid summer in terms of some of the moves they made. We mentioned Thad Young um going to Chicago. Uh and the Bulls. The Bulls actually are at 39 wins in Jacobs model versus uh an over-under of 33. So um kind of, I don't know, kind of uh, an interesting and I'm using the Westgate odds, by the way, so so again, like your mileage may vary if you have some other sports you prefer, but I, I don't know enough about gambling to, to tell you you're going know, to pick a different one. Um, So I don't <laughs> know. It, it's just kind of interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if at the very top end there's like some like awesome team or, or even really good team that necessarily like I feel like, oh, I'll just pound that over. Uh, I mean, last year we felt that way about the Bucks, even though they, they had a you know, much improved uh, over under compared to where they were the year before, but, uh, but yeah. Anyway, we've probably beaten that question to to death. So. Uh,
1: so the last question from at the Spangover is where in the world is Secret Dante? Uh, we have some other questions from. Angus McKilty, tinfoil hat time. I haven't heard anything about White Dante in a long time as far as his recovery schedule or what his timeline is to return. It's given me Hell Fultz vibes, and I don't like it. What's going on with him? Anel uh, Sawah asks, will Dante get some playing time next season, or shall he forever be sh- shrouded in secrecy? And... Johnson Hector 2 on Twitter says, will DDV see any point minutes, if I remember correctly, when he was healthy in the beginning of the year? He had the ball in his hands a lot. Obviously, he won't take minutes from Hill or Blood, But is he the third point guard on the roster at this moment? And, I mean, I I think with all those questions, like, none of us can tell you anything about Dante until we see Dante. Uh, Like, that's just going to... That's just gonna kind of be how it is, and um, you know, I, I think getting to see him in summer league would have uh, dispelled any of our secret notions. Like, <laughs> it, like, it, like that would have just stopped, right? Like, you would have seen him play, and you'd be like, okay, whether he was good, bad, it, like it, mediocre, like no matter what it was, like that would have gotten everyone to be like, okay, I've seen Dante play; he's fine. But because of that, none of us have seen him play in, uh, let's see, the final three months of the season. March. And now we're in August. So we're looking at – we're going on six months here where we haven't seen him play. So if, for as far as questions about, you know, where is he? What does he look like? Should I be concerned? Like, I mean, you, you haven't seen him play in that long. So – so, yeah, I mean, I think you should. I know today uh, the Bucks had a conversation that Jim Pashki had with Jay Wright uh, from Team USA uh, workouts in Los Angeles um, about Dante and what fans should expect from Dante in his second season and all of these things. Um, and Jay Wright mentioned the fact that, you know, like once uh, Dante was able to recover and get back on the floor, he's looked really good or, or something of that nature, um, which would suggest he's seen Dante on the floor, but again, uh, none of us saw Dante on the floor. So we, we can't really, we can't really say. So, I mean, as I've done predictions for how many minutes he'll get next year and, you know, his spot in the rotation, I keep putting him pretty high on it because I think Bud really likes him. And I think, if he's healthy bud will play him because he likes the fact that he does a little bit of everything and uh he he can continue to keep working uh through all of that and you know can do uh, he does the hustle stuff he can pass a little bit he can create a little bit Um, i would say he can shoot a little bit but he didn't do that last year um but i think there still is that belief that he can shoot a little bit so uh i keep putting him in all of those those conversations but maybe he isn't you know maybe he isn't healthy maybe uh he, he doesn't deserve to be put in those conversations quite yet uh, i guess just kind of what 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 are you thinking on the whole uh dante Divincenzo vincenzo experience at the
0: moment yeah i mean i think it's sort of the the show me type type mindset at this point you know we we just haven't seen anything it's been you know as you said he was out at the end of the regular season even after he came back from an in, he had the injury came back from the injury uh and then goes right back on the shelf soon thereafter. And, and you know, we really haven't, haven't seen anything from him since then. So um, I I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious what the story on him is going to be when training camp starts um, and whether he is, you know, in a situation where they're trying to the like, oh, we hope he's ready by opening night thing. Um, and we've talked about how, you know, big of a deal it is for young players to, to not miss camp. To you know, not be starting on the back foot uh, in ter- terms of trying to win minutes because it's going to be really competitive for minutes. Uh, even as much as like, especially the shooting guard spot is, is a weak spot for the Bucks this year. Um, it's not because of a lack of proven NBA players; it's just a lack of top-end talent. And and for obviously for Dante to try to distinguish himself in that group, um, you know, he he can't can't afford to you know be less than what he was last year athletically. He can't afford to, to miss a bunch of time and and be playing catch-up. So um, so I'm definitely concerned. And for that reason, I think when mean, think we've talked about sort of different, you know, we had some other questions earlier, you know, eight months ago, when we first started our July mailbag, <coughs> um, you know, we had some questions about how many minutes different guys would play. And I kind of struggled to say that Dante was going to be the guy. Cause you're, you're hundred percent right. We know that Dante is a guy that, that Bud has liked. You know, he was, The first guy off the bench in the starting games of last season so it's not like he has to you know he's not fighting like some you know doghouse issue with with coaches or anything but it's just is his body going to allow him to play and obviously if his body allows him then is he going to be able to make three pointers with enough (laughs) accuracy uh that that's the kind of the question that i I would like for us to be having about dante but instead obviously it's more of the concern about uh about his foot and kind of where where he ultimately is and how close he is to to playing NBA basketball again so um yeah if you, if anybody sees uh you know Dante at the grocery store or doing anything and you know he's hopefully not uh um hopefully he's not you know again in a in a, in a wheelchair or in a walking boot or something like that uh you know uh DM us or, or add us on Twitter or send us a, a an email at lockdownbox at gmail.com and uh, let us know that you know we'll put put him on our milk cartons, uh, Dante Divincenzo, and and hopefully he's uh, he's doing okay. I think I think he was supposed to have a uh, uh, like an autograph signing thing recently, and I don't I don't know if I saw any pictures of of the actual thing happening. I'm not sure if it if actually has happened yet. But uh, but yeah, if you want to you know win some brownie points with us, just uh, try to go find uh, and get a get a uh, a picture of secret
1: Dante. Don't do anything illegal in doing so, but yes, go for yeah,
0: it. Yeah, keep um, it legal. <laughs> Respect the
1: space. <laughs>